Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we have four indie games news stories for you, but before we get into any of that, I'd like to introduce myself, Von Hyde, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average, Josh Boys. How you doing today, Big Josh Boy? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's another day. We're back in it. It's 2020, although I guess we already did an episode in 2020, but still, it's like... Now it's the first day in 2020. The other episode, you were sick and dead and didn't really count. Yeah, I mean, it was barely an episode. It was only like hour and 40 minutes or something like that. Was that was like our so. speed run of the episode. Yeah, considering typically we have, we've had like two hour long episodes. Well, I mean, it's mostly because of you. I blame you. Yeah, definitely all my fault. I talk a lot, dude. I know. I, I listen to it. I don't shut the fuck up. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure it's... Definitely also me with the game part, but uh, I haven't been playing too much this week, so uh, we should be good for another quick episode. Yeah, I know. I was like, man, this episode's not going to go long at all. It's just going to be depressing and short. I mean, I could ramble about some stuff. Uh, I've been watching GDQ lately. It's happening right now. Game's done quick. Man, I love that event. It's so good. Speedrunning is just such an interesting topic. Plus, so isn't Games Done Quick like uh, making money for a charity by them doing like live streams of them basically speedrunning games? Is that what, that what it is? That is exactly what it is. So it's about uh, preventing cancer. Uh, and so basically throughout the entire run, what they do is they have a schedule that's full for a whole week of people who will come in and they'll do speedruns. And then there's some speedrun blocks that are like, uh bonus events kind of and if people donate enough or donate enough in to the event for gdq you'll basically get to unlock additional speed runs so people will play additional games and they'll they have like certain time sinks that are in there that usually you always make it but it's just if people donate enough they'll get in more games or they get um there's also incentives for people who are donating to get like raffled into prizes that people will create things so like handmade things people will make like paintings or little sculptures or keychains or things like that and then essentially they give those away to gdq who will then pawn them off as saying like hey during this block of time usually they have like certain games that are blocked off that make most sense together like they'll have a sonic run where they have a bunch of different sonic games back to back and they're like during the sonic block you can get any one of these these prizes because it's like a raffle for whoever donates up to a certain amount so like whoever donates up to twenty dollars during this time period is uh able to win this and so you keep going with all of these prizes that GDQ have, and it's basically just a big event to try and build up, you know, donating money to that goes to charity. And uh, the last couple of GDQs have gotten like, I believe, two million dollars plus. In, Holy like, shit! Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much money gets thrown into GDQ, um, but it's all for a good cause. There's so many different types of games that you get to see for the first time. You get to see them totally broken or, you know, your your beloved games played in a way that you would never think of. Um, you get to see different communities around games and interesting, you know, tidbits and facts behind the scenes because they do interviews with some of the speedrunners and some of um, people who are behind the actual games themselves, depending on who they can get at the time. But it's a, it's a really cool event. I love watching GDQ and um, it's just 
there's always something interesting because they try to do new games each time, you know, something that hasn't been done in the past. Like this time, and this is kind of spawning into what I've been playing, is there was actually a <laughs> Binding of Isaac run, speed run, where it was someone had to play this kind of kind of modded version of Binding of Isaac, but it's basically you have to play each individual character and win through them. So it's like seven characters and win each one within like an hour or so. And it was pretty nuts watching, to be honest. It's like insane how good some people can get. That's pretty crazy. I've, I can't say I've ever been... I, I just don't think I actually like to watch people play games. Like, oh, I don't I like Let's it. Plays, and I've never watched, like, uh, Games Done Quick or anything like that. Like, speedruns have never been super inter- interesting. But I do follow <clears throat> Sun He Legend on Twitter because that guy makes some fucking dope GIFs, and mm-hmm. I enjoy that shit. Uh, did you know that Games Done Quick every <clears throat> year has, like, merchandise on the Yeti? Yeah, yeah, they they always have merchandise. It always looks pretty dope. I I keep wanting to always get some, but I never do. Um, but a lot of their stuff there is actually pretty dope. Yeah, I've seen it. Um, I'm trying to look at some right now because the Yeti <laughs> has like their daily tees all the time, and they have that kind of stuff. Uh, Velocity pin. Oh yeah, these look sweet. Yeah, yeah. Some they of have stuff a bunch really of Legend cool. of Zelda ones. Uh, mm-hmm. One that has Rob. A uh, speed running like SNES cartridge shirt. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good parts to this, and I generally have always loved watching people play video games. I don't know why. It is a weird thing because when you think about it, you're like, oh, you could just be playing the game. Like, why do you care? But there's something that I just enjoy about not having to, in certain cases, get good at a game or you know not always go into the intricacies of the game itself, but want to watch someone who knows essentially what they're doing or just has a good personality that I want to watch while I'm watching a game. So that's a lot of the reason why I generally tend to watch streams of games, uh, people streaming, or a good example is like League of Legends. I used to be a big League of Legends fan back uh, when it first came out for the first couple of years, and then I just kind of dropped off. But during that time, I used to watch uh, professional players uh, play the game, and I've always enjoyed watching them play because they know what they're doing. Like Their games are pretty legitimate. Whereas now I hate playing League of Legends. I will never consider opening up (laughs) League of Legends. It is awful to play. I have no interest in it at all. But I still to this day know way more about League of Legends than most players do because I watch all of the competitive matches when it comes to the LCS and the LEC. I don't know why. It's just something that stuck with me and I've still to this day keep watching the, you know, the playoffs, the championships and everything to that nature. So it's just something that I enjoy to do. And I kind of attribute it to the same as like watching sports. I could also, you know, play football or hockey, but I'd rather watch the game instead because I don't play it well and I'd rather watch someone who does play it well. So, I mean, there's there's certain ways where you could say like it it's kind of weird, but it's really the same thing as general like in-person sports. Yeah, yeah, I definitely understand it. I I shouldn't say that I've never enjoyed watching people play games because watching somebody do it well is totally different than watching me play games. So yeah, Yeah. it it makes sense. But watching someone who's bad is also good (laughs) because like there's like all the people who have to like they get huge numbers because they're super bad at Bloodborne but still stream it. uh, Yeah, because like that's why I say with streaming, like it's a really good medium because. If you have a good enough personality or you have interesting content, even if you suck at the game, you could still be interesting or fun to watch. Now, when you get a person who's both good at the game and like a great personality, that's when you get streamers who, 
you just always want to watch, you always want to come back to. But, you know, that's far and few between. Regardless, it's still like there's so many people doing this that you can always find someone who fits your style. Yeah, I'll have to check out some more stuff. Maybe maybe it'll help me discover more games. But let's get on to what games we're playing. You are playing more Binding of Isaac. That is literally all I am playing. I said it last week, and I'm kind of sorry to the people who listen and want to hear about new games and things that you know we're playing and indie games in the scene. But man, I am so addicted to the Binding of Isaac. It's so good, and there's so much to do in this game. It's nuts. Like... I've been playing, I've, I've beaten, uh, mom's heart, which is one of like the second, uh, giant bosses in it. Um, a a number of different times, but I cannot at this point get past killing Isaac up on the floor or get past, uh, the devil right now. So basically what that means is I suck at the game and then (laughs) I've unlocked a ton of the characters, but I'm still trying to get, um, who was it? There's another character that I need to get by basically playing as this one Azazel, uh, or Aziel. I, I forget how to say the name, but it's basically this like demon looking character who I have to play the game in a, a like challenge mode run called greed, which is essentially you play the binding of Isaac, but it's not about dungeon crawling in the sense of going through different areas and trying to find the pathways that lead to the boss room. Instead, you basically have like a challenge room that you get stuck in. And it's always the same where it's always going to be a randomly generated treasure room, a treasure room that requires a key, an area that has a shop. And in the middle where you first start off is where you actually fight enemies. So you basically click a button in the middle of the room and then enemies spawn uh constantly basically based on a timer and so you're fighting them and you're getting money for fighting them and then each time you do that it it spawns a number of enemies then it spawns a boss monster wave then it spawns a, a major boss wave and you keep doing that until you get to uh basically finishing that floor and the door the exit door opening so that you can get out and do it all again and go through those waves until you get to this one boss called greed he is such a dick. Like, I cannot destroy him. He's such an asshole. He's so tough. He's, like, got these bombs everywhere that are constantly going off. He has these moves that give him health back. He has these moves that, like, unlock all of these doors and just mobs and waves of all these little minions come through. And he's got so much health. He's so tanky that I just cannot defeat him. And it pisses me off to no end. I spent, like three hours last night just trying to get a run that was good enough to defeat him and i cannot do it i will do it but jesus is it a task yeah i uh i kind of wish that i would hop back in to binding of isaac but i've realized that i think i'm just kind of done with roguelikes like for at the moment there's Mm -hmm. just so many roguelikes out that yeah. I've played that I'm just like, I think I want to chill for a while on them. Cause we have a game that came up in God bless the crowd. And I was watching the trailer and I was like, I hope this isn't a roguelike. Cause I'm going <sighs> to be so annoyed if it is <laughs> luckily it is not, but I was seriously like dreading it being a roguelike. Yeah, I, think I mean, it does look pretty cool not to yeah. jump ahead, but <laughs> it looks pretty dope. Uh, the games that I've been playing, speaking of, kind of like it's not necessarily a roguelike but it's actually very similar uh the first game i've been playing is Downwell, which actually now that i think about it 
uh, it's more of an arcade game than a roguelike. It technically has different upgrades that you can get between areas, but mm -hmm. they're not necessarily like it's not like uh, your standard roguelike. Um, mostly because each like iteration of it is basically the same, but with randomized environments. So. For the most part, it, it, have you ever played Nanwell before? I have actually. So I have it for some reason on Android. I think there was a day where they like gave it for free for some reason. So I just have it on my phone and I tried it uh, a couple months ago. It was actually, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, um, but it was definitely one of those things, especially with arcade games that you play it a couple of times and you're like, this is pretty fun. And then I just kind of dropped it. Yeah, it I, I don't see having like a massive amount of lasting value with me right now, especially on PC. Maybe if I had it on like mm -hmm. mobile or on Nintendo Switch, something like that, I think would probably be better to just pick up and play like a couple areas, see how far I could get. Yeah. Um, the game is really interesting. I actually really like its art style and how it has kind of these minimalist colors. But mm -hmm. if you've never mm -hmm. played Downwell 1, it's developed by, uh, I believe it's Mopin or Mopin. It's M-O-P-I-N. Not Honestly, not sure how <laughs> specifically to say that. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole thing is you're basically like, I don't. you look like the Michelin man. I don't know if you're <laughs> like a man or a child. But you hop down a well that for some reason, like, you have gun boots on, and you just go down the well, and you basically try to get through and also collect these gems. <coughs> Jesus. Always no, dying. I still have a cough. I it's know. like, it's kind of weird. I have, like, a tickle in my throat. Mm -hmm. So, like, while I was talking, I could feel it getting worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> Until it was just too much. Yeah, um, but Downwell is actually really interesting because there's a lot of strategy to it. Uh, so, like, when you jump down, if you don't hit the ground, you actually won't reload. So, you can shoot all your bullets and then just kind of fall. And if you don't actually hit the ground or step on anything, your gun boots won't reload, which is kind of interesting. So, there's, like, this entire strategy to it where you want to kind of like shoot a few enemies land on the ground but you can also kill enemies just by stomping on them but others you can't there's a lot to it that's actually really really interesting i haven't gotten too far into it uh while going through the steam achievements it seems like there's quite a few areas mm -hmm. that uh are in the game so i'm definitely not far at all in it um mm. but it's really interesting i actually like it a lot i don't know if i'm gonna go back to it um and play a whole lot more but I do think it's something that I might check out on a different console just to make it a little bit more portable. Yeah. To make like plug and play a lot easier. Yeah, I definitely think it was a good fit on <laughs> a mobile device just because the same thing that you were talking about of that, you know, pick up and play because the same thing happened to me. I played it a couple of times and it was over, you know, of course, a longer period of time, but it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, I have a few minutes. Let me just, you know, hop into Downwell, play a little bit and then get my ass handed to me and be like, okay, that was fun. And then close it and, you know, go on with my life. But obviously I don't think it's as fit for steam, even though it has great reviews on steam because it is a good game. Um, but that accessibility of it definitely makes it easier to just pick up every so often and keep it kind of on your radar, so to speak. Um, but regardless, I, I do think it's a good game as well. Yeah, I picked it up on the uh, the Steam Winter Sale. I think it was like a dollar. Well, that's a pretty good deal. I mean, mine was free, but, you know, a dollar's not bad. 
Yeah, I'm just not as cool as you. Uh, so <laughs> I basically like I played Downwell and I played the Swords of Ditto mostly because I want to get into my backlog of all these like older indie games that I just hadn't had a chance to play, especially because um, I was listening to the like kind of volume two of PS I Love You XOXO with Blessing Adioye Jr. and Greg Miller. And they were talking, uh, Blessing was saying that now that he's on a PlayStation podcast, he needs to make sure he plays all of these like older PlayStation games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a really good idea to make sure that I go back and play a bunch of older indie games play that I just hadn't had a chance to. Yeah, I'm going to play Spelunky. Yes. I'm definitely going to play Undertale because I have it. I just need to play it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to mix those in with the other indie games that I'm going to oh. be playing. Also uh, play Wuppo. Play Wuppo. Yeah, I do. Is it Wuppo or Whoopa? Uh, I'm going to say Wuppo because I like it better, but it might be. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to play it too. I do have it on PS4, so. Really? I wouldn't and you really haven't have played it? it? I think we've been over this before. Yeah, I think I've been yeah. angry at you already, but I'm still angry at you. It, this has happened like three times, and Look, it's especially right, weird because I, I block it out of my memory. Physically. <laughs> oh, I do remember this. I block it out of my memory. Just I can't believe it every time. I'm just so mad. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to check it out. Uh, the other games I'm, game I'm playing is The Swords of Ditto. Um, I bought this one on a PlayStation sale not too long ago. I don't believe it was their end of the decade sale or end of the year sale. Um, I think it was right before that, maybe mm. like their Christmas sale. It's I was looking forward to The Swords of Ditto for a long time, um, but it's honestly just not my kind of game. It's very floaty. I love the art style and that's what kind of brought me to it. But the combat just doesn't seem to be that tight. Um, Mm. especially while playing games at the same time, like freaking bloodborne, I'm coming into the swords of ditto and it's like your, your roles aren't super precise. And I don't know. It seems like your, your attacks don't really have a lot of weight. Like there's no real knockback to your attacks so you mm-hmm. can just not you can't even be interrupting attack you can be just kind of slashing away at somebody and they just hit you while you're hitting them and it's a little weird um mm. i really like the art style though it's oh, super yeah. cute it's a beautiful game like it looks so cute but i i don't know it's just the gameplay and i'm i'm normally not somebody to be turned off by gameplay but while playing and i was like i honestly just I'm not having fun playing this. I like to look at everything, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm just not feeling the game kind right. of a thing. Like That's a shame. Um I want to hop back into it eventually when I can get the TV kid. That would be cool. Um cuz there's like basically the the idea is that this like seemingly immortal being, I'm not 100% sure, but this kind of like witch character named Moromo, I think is what its name is, mm-hmm. um, or their name is, um, and they kind of like get reincarnated every couple of years and try to take over the earth, mm-hmm. or take over, I, I, I think wherever it might be called Ditto, yeah, it's whatever yeah. kind of like island space, wherever they are, their world, I guess, um, and the sword of Ditto is basically reincarnated the to rival them Mm. so it's kind of like how in star wars like like a a power always rise up to create balance in the force that's kind of what's happening here where morimo pops up so then the sword of ditto pops up but you kind of start off initially then you get killed you wake up hundreds of years later and morimo is kind of like fucked up the world it's it's interesting um 
but like I said, the combat is just not ideal for me. I'm I'm just not a fan. Maybe if it had a little bit more weight to it, um, I would enjoy it a bit more. But I'm I'm just not feeling it right now. I love the art style, but it's just not my kind of game. At least from what I've played. Hmm. No, that's a shame. But sometimes that happens. I think it also like, especially because you're playing Bloodborne, it it might just be weird that you're playing that game simultaneously because they're so different in feeling that it's you know just such a different style that yeah. you just might lean more towards one and that's why you're being more harsh on it but also you know some games just aren't for everybody yeah yeah i i'm gonna pick it up eventually when i have more time uh mm. to to kind of sink obviously more time into it but right now i'm just gonna continue trying to play a bunch of uh indie games there's a bunch coming up this week that i'm excited about like not this week this month like temtem comes out on the 21st or at least i believe it's released in early access on the 21st uh yeah but i also i don't know if that's them going early access or them doing their uh stress test phase because I know they are going into early access and they're also having like a three day period where they're doing a stress test first, I believe. Um, the only reason I know that is because I was part of the, the people who actually originally backed it on Kickstarter. Um, so they send out these emails and I just remember seeing something about those days. I actually, it's kind of weird just because I was part of it and I originally backed it to get the alpha and I played it for like one or two days and then kind of dropped it. Um, it's a good game. And I'm super excited for it, but it was one of those things where it was around the time where I was getting into the point where I was kind of like, I'm really tired of like early access and alpha games just because I play it so much and then I don't really care for it once it's actually out. So I decided to take a pause on it. Um, But from what I played, if they have put in more and now they actually have like multiplayer and be able to play the whole game with a buddy, like it's definitely going to be a true competitor for something like Pokemon. Yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, the stress test, it looks like ends, um, their few tests end on January 19th. So it seems like okay, the 21st so is actually when it goes yeah. into early access. Yeah, that would make uh, sense At least then. on Steam. Mm, um, yeah, I don't think it would be anywhere else for early access. Yeah, I, I, I think it looks really cool. Um, we've spoken about it before. Actually, I believe when it was... Maybe when it was initially came up as like a news story, I wanted to say when it came to Kickstarter, but I don't think that that's mm. when we actually talked about it. No, I want to. I can't remember when their Kickstarter actually officially launched. Let me look that up because I think that might have predated our podcast entirely. Yeah, I think it did. Um, I think this was just something we talked about like randomly, Probably. kind of off the cuff, like a news story. Uh, but speaking of news stories, let's hop into our first one. This one is over on IGN. It is written by Matt Kim, and it is Mother 4-inspired fan project renamed to Oddity, but it still looks like a worthy successor. Uh, for years, a group of developers have been working hard on making an unofficial sequel to Mother 3 called Mother 4. By the way, uh, it doesn't really get into it until the end of this article but if you don't know what the mother series is it's also known by earthbound in Mm -hmm. the united states so that might be the issue and i believe mother 3 was never actually localized in the united states yeah no it wasn't they say it later in the article as well oh okay there you go yeah it's i i've always wanted to get into earthbound but i've I've never had the chance it's just so interesting Mm -hmm. i am right there with you I do have the NES and or the SNES Classic. I think has uh, Mother or Earthbound on it, so I have mm. to check it out. I hope um, they just port it to Switch. That would yeah, be that'd ideal. be cool. 
They did have it on the virtual console on Wii U. It says that. Man, down fuck, here, or on Wii. fuck the virtual console. All right, just bring all the games. <laughs> um, uh, but after a wave of DMCA takedowns from Nintendo, the team went underground, uh, but resurfaced recently after rebranding its project as Oddity. Um, although Oddity is no longer the unofficial Mother 3 sequel, it's uh, still influenced by the series. A new trailer shows gameplay that's quite similar to the original Game Boy Advance Mother 3 gameplay, but technical flourishes and graphical improvements also show that it is a modern video game production. Um, yeah, you can watch the trailer there. Mother 4 mm-hmm. fan project has been talked about since uh, as far back as 2013, but in 2017, the developers announced the project. Uh, project subreddit, that it needed to rebrand the rebrand the project due to the wave of takedown notices issued by Nintendo on fan projects. Uh, this despite how Mother 4 itself was never actually notified by Nintendo. That's I don't know why I find that so odd. Notified. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, rebranding the game was simply a precaution, though it's uh, understandable considering how much work and effort already went into the project. Uh, so, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to read that part. Nah, whatever, <laughs> I will. Uh, still, there hasn't been an official Mother game since 2006, uh, and there's been no official localization for Mother 3 either. Yeah, like you said, it comes up later. Uh, but at least fans have lovingly made homages like Oddity also uh, or along with a virtual console release of Earthbound. Uh, mm-hmm. Oddity doesn't have a release date yet. The trailer says that the game will be releasing when it's ready. But if your mother fan who's been waiting too long, Oddity is shaping up to be a worthy spiritual successor. Um, I mean, if you, from what I understand, if you haven't played uh what is it i can't believe i can't remember undertale that's Mm -hmm. meant to be somewhat of a spiritual successor as well yeah um so if you're really waiting that much and you want it so badly you probably just play undertale i mean or you could just find the japanese version yeah i mean i I don't know how well that would go um (laughs) so like when when dark souls 3 initially was coming out people that were really into dark souls uh, changed their what was it they changed their region to be in japan so that they could purchase dark souls 3 earlier um but you couldn't switch it to english so people played through a large majority of the game in japanese and i heard it was really fucking hard <laughs> which is i mean, I mean completely different but just to be clear it's not hard because the game is hard it was hard because the game is in japanese and, and since you have to read item descriptions and everything yeah yeah well you know that's for trial and error you just play more of the game i think there have also been fan localizations of i'm sh- I'd be so i don't think surprised. there's been anything official yeah i'd be so surprised if there wasn't <laughs> um, i mean this story kind of i mean it it doesn't suck uh especially because the game is uh, like it looks cool and i think that's really awesome that they're they've been like working on this fan project for so long the only thing that sucks is like nintendo issuing dmca like takedowns because nintendo does this with a lot of fan-made oh, titles yeah, like yeah. Like, Pokemon Uranium looked so cool, uh, but it was only up for, like, a week, and then they were forced to take it down for the exact same reason. I think the same thing happened to a Metroid game that was created. Um, I mean, I wouldn't... I bet. I don't know why people wouldn't just call it a Metroidvania and be like, Roly-Poly Man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Roly-Poly Man. That, I mean, I would buy that game. It's technically 100% different. He's not a ball, he's a Roly-Poly, and he's not a woman, he's a man. 
That's so true, man. Rolly Poly man, mind blown. Get this man, <laughs> get this man a million dollars. He knows, he knows what to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it. Well, okay, the whole fact that Nintendo is doing that, like, I understand it. Like, that's Nintendo's property. Like, that's something that they're doing as fans and they're creating, and it's awesome that they're doing it. But you know, at the end of the day, it is Nintendo's IP. It is their right to say, hey. This is, you know, something that wasn't mandated by us. Go away. But the good thing is... um, (laughs) Go away. Go away. The good thing is they are, you know, laxing a bit on that whole mentality of, like, you can't have our IP with the cadence of Hyrule that came out last year. So there, there is that mentality from Nintendo's side that, you know if it's something they had perhaps (laughs) spoken with Nintendo and worked up a contract and somehow, you know, gotten them to agree to that, then like there might be more room for that to exist in the future. Um, But I think from, you know, the now, the present, uh, it does make sense for them to rebrand just because this, you know, even though they're not mother four and obviously that would get them a lot of publicities trying to say that, but like this kind of publicity right now is going to get them a lot of hearsay because the fact that this is even on an IGN article and this type of game oddity will now essentially be known even for people who didn't know about, Oh, there was a mother four unofficial. Now they know, Oh, there's a game that's basically a, you know, rebranded version of what the fans tried to create to be that sequel or, you know, that, that second coming. Yeah. If anything, this is a great way to get the word out. Like this is good publicity because this story was pretty much featured on all larger gaming news sites. Like, IGN covered it. I think, uh, well, GameSpot definitely covered it. Maybe Polygon. Yeah, there was a I couple of different Game places. Informer, but yeah. Game Informer puts out like one fucking news piece a week. So. <laughs> well, we do have one from there. Yeah, uh, exactly. But but like I like I said, to the same point is they're still going to do fine in that sense. They were never going to be officially backed by Nintendo anyway. I don't think it's bad for them to just rebrand it and say like, hey, this is heavily influenced by Mother, and this was planned to be, you know, in that same kind of wheelhouse of what we would have loved to see be the the next uh, game, the next title after Mother 3. And that kind of hearsay isn't something that Nintendo can ban because that's just someone, you know, saying that they're influenced by it. It's not clearly taken from it. Um, and in this light, they're still seen as like those heroes who are creating more content that Nintendo is not doing. Wouldn't it be really cool if Nintendo just pulled a Sega and instead of like issuing like DMCA claims, they fucking did the Sonic Mania treatment and they're just like, yeah, we'll like pay you to make it. Yeah. Good luck on that. I mean, (laughs) that's a great, like, that's a great thing to say, but that's also a super risky thing to do. Oh, yeah. I, I think it would be interesting if they did it. I'm yeah. not saying that it would happen. but yeah. And like you said, obviously, yeah, it is Nintendo's IP, so they could do whatever they want with it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm excited to see what Oddity turns out to be. Uh, our next news story is over on Polygon. It's written by Charlie Hall, and it is IGF award nominations include Untitled Goose Game, A Short Hike, and Slay the Spire. Nice. Um, All yeah. great games. Uh, The 22nd Annual Independent Games Festival, IGF, award nominees have been announced, topping the list uh, from the, I think it's Seamus McNally Grand Prize, maybe? 
Uh, I, I think it is. I think I said it correctly. I'm just going to say it. I did. That's fine. Uh, You're the best. Our, <laughs> our several commercial hits, including Untitled Goose Game and Slay the Spire. The IGF Awards are delivered uh, each year during the annual Game Developers Conference, otherwise known as GDC, by the way, uh, in mm-hmm. San Francisco, named after the late developers of Treadmarks. Interesting. Uh, which won the award in 2000. The jury selected grand prize is amongst the most sought after among uh, fledgling game developers. Past winners include Minecraft in 2011, Fez in 2012, uh, Her Story in 2016, Night in the Woods in 2017, and Return of the Oberyn Din in 2018. Uh, in 2015, the award was given to the student-created game Outer Wilds, which... Should have changed the name then. Uh, <laughs> the commercial version uh, of the game will go on to become Polygon's Game of the Year. Okay. I, didn't, I don't know why I read that part. Uh, this <laughs> year's finalists include the following. Uh, Eliza, A Short Hike, Untitled Goose Game, Mutazone, Slay the Spire, and... Uh, Anodyne Anodin, 2. Okay, Anodyne 2, Return to Dust. Which Have I, you seen I, that game? Um, no, I've, I've seen, uh, on the Yeti, they've had merchandise for it, but I've never actually mm. looked it up. Yeah. So I, I didn't really know anything about this game until I saw this article, uh, or not this article specifically, but I heard about this a little bit ago through Twitter and I saw this game. It actually looks pretty cool. It reminds me a lot of, uh, God, what was it? Uh, Evo land where, you're playing the game and like part of it is in 3d but then part of it is back to 2d like kind of zelda-esque uh, yeah you go through the different generations of gaming yeah i really love games that do that although i will say that and granted this is an indie game so you know they probably don't have the highest of budget um but the 3d modeling is a little old school um very like n64 you know early kind of ps2 ps3 not really yeah 3, it looks like soul reaver like, legacy of kane yeah like it, it looks a lot like that <laughs> it looks it looks a little bit clunkier and i think the 2d art does it more justice but i do enjoy the you know going between realms kind of idea it's something that Fuck, i'll probably end up checking cool. out i really like the 2d sections yeah that's what i'm saying is like this is dope the 3d oh, that's I wasn't a slime. As crazy i gotta about, get this fucking but... game there's a slime in it <laughs> you're such a <laughs> such a dweeb all right anyway continue <laughs> <laughs> um i also want to know what eliza is yeah i don't know what that one is it's so weird that like there are so many different indie games that I feel like it's hard to know about all of them. Mm-hmm. So when these kind of like when these awards come around, it lets you know about a game like games like Eliza and Anodyne that a lot of people I don't think they're they're not like frequently talked about like Untitled mm-hmm. Goose Game and like Slay the Spire. I mean, yeah, because everyone's talking about those two games. So, exactly. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like, it's tough to have publicity in a world where you have so much going on. There's just, like, too many games coming out. And it's really lucky for a lot of independent developers to get that spot in the, like, that's a dumb way to say it, but that spot in the spotlight. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Eliza is a visual novel about an AI counseling program, uh, the people who develop it and the people who use it. Hmm interesting i'm gonna have to check this one out i don't know i i've never actually played a visual novel before so i'm not as crazy about them so 
<laughs> Honorable selections include Katana Zero, Lonely Mountains Downhill, uh, Song of Bloom, Wide Ocean, Big Jacket, uh, Elsinore, and Heaven's Vault. Um, you can find the full list of nominees, which includes additional categories such as Excellent in Design and Excellent in Visual Art um, at the IGF website. Who do you think will actually win this this award? Uh, between the few of them, I mean, we don't necessarily know the qualifications that it takes. Yeah, like we we don't know what they're basing it on. But uh, your gut feeling, who do you think will win? Well, I mean, this is just the independent games, like the best independent game, I guess, is kind of what they're saying. For uh, da -da 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 -da, sorry, I'm trying to series finalists. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> It's well, it's interesting because it's it's one of those things where it's like, did it do the best commercially? Because then I would say it would probably be up against Untitled Goose Game or Slay the Spire. If we're saying for the most, you know, like groundbreaking, uh, I still don't even know. Uh, like, I. It I, honors the most influential, innovative, and acclaimed project in indie game development. Hmm. I would probably That's what it says on their website i would probably not give it to untitled goose game though as much as i like it and enjoyed the concept and the hype behind it just because i don't think it's really groundbreaking um i would say slay the spire is one of the more commercially that goes into groundbreaking because it really kind of set the mold for a lot of what that genre does now um can't really speak to a short hike or the others just because i haven't really played them too much um i think anodyne probably has a good chance because of the fact that it does that interesting technique of blending the games depending on how well it did that um yeah i don't know i'm not really too sure I'm wondering how they're chosen with this IGF award. Like, is it a consensus among developers at the conference or mm. something else? I'm looking at their website right now, and I'm not 100% sure. They do actually, IGF award winners will receive more than $20,000 of prizes Ooh. in various categories, including the $10,000 Seamus McNally Grand Prize. Uh, and all IGF finalists this year also receive a $1,000 stipend. That's kind of interesting. That's dope. So just kind of getting nominated, you get a stipend. That's cool. Wow. Good for them. Yeah, I'm not really too sure. I uh, My gut says Slay the Spire, but I'm biased as hell. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I'm probably not right. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, I think probably Untitled Goose Game. I'm not 100% sure. Mm. Like, like you said, it doesn't do anything, like, necessarily super special, but I think... It's just highly lauded. Like a lot of people played it. I mean, it also just depends on how the the award is given. I'm. This will be interesting. I wonder. I'm gonna have to look into this more to see how that one is actually chosen. Because yeah. if it is something like a panel of judges instead of the developers themselves, mm -hmm. hmm. There's just a lot of ways that it could go. But I'm gonna say Untitled Goose Game. I think it'll win. Hmm. All right. Well, when you're wrong, I'll laugh in your face. <laughs> All because you're just rooting for that Slay the Spire? I mean, it might be, honestly... Uh, well, that's weird. I don't see it in the actual list. I don't see Mutazone in the list of the nominees. <laughs> on, on their, their website? website? 
Uh, oh, no, here it is. It's weird that they didn't say it in the nominees. It says the nominees for the McNally Grand Prize also include, and it's a couple of different names. It's all the names except for Mutazone. And then later down the line, they say the McNally Grand Prize and Mutazone is in there. Yeah. That's kind of <laughs> that strange. Is weird. So like I don't it know. It gives you a short description of each one of the games, and then they're like, Mutazone? Nah, I'm not going to. Yeah, Maybe a try on that one. That. But I think that <laughs> one might win, like, looking up more about these games just because of the fact that it is a very – it's it just feels very indie. Um, it's like a 2D point-and-click adventure where it's uh, it seems to be music-based on certain characters or friends that you're meeting, and it seems to be a very, like, relaxed and, uh, like, slow-paced time but then i guess short hike also is so yeah i don't know i don't know we'll see that we will uh we will also see our next news story which is over on game and fortin what the fuck did i just even say fortner (laughs) (laughs) i said game and fortin (laughs) game and fortin you were probably going for like game informant maybe I don't even know. That was fucking dumb. Uh, it's <laughs> written by Matthew Cato, and it is Corner Wolves coming first as a thriller podcast. So there's a lot in this yeah. um, article, and really the only pertinent details are actually down below. So I'm going to leave out a lot of this. Uh, we have actually talked about Corner Wolves before. Mm-hmm. It's being developed by a team uh, of like X Mass Effect sleeping dogs and fallout devs um so brass lion is currently working on the video game related to the per uh property i'm I'm so fucking stupid uh no release date has been announced for said corner uh what is it corner wolves um but this year people can experience corner wolves via a podcast series by and I know I'm just going to butcher some of these things, but it's Marginal Media Works and Luminary um, on the Loudspeakers Podcast Network. Dude, I think I'm having a stroke. I think I'm dying right now. Like, it's <laughs> it's happening. I've slowly degraded from idiot to just mush mouth in general, and I'm just going to start, you know, drooling and that such. So right. I'll let you know. If you hear kind of like the, like... If you hear that noise a little bit, just be scared. Call the police, okay? <laughs> All right. Or paramedics. I've got something. one ready. <laughs> and then when it happens, you're like, "I'm not fuck that bitch." He's been calling me Big Josh boy like that. <laughs> That's that not my die. name. <laughs> <laughs> this is an aspirational, uh, yeah, aspirational crime thriller with a young woman of color at the center, says Marginal Media Works founder and CEO Sonia Sharma, I think. Um, a new hero, a new narrative, all parts of the uh, of a new narrative system. We are going to push the edges of a new auditory and music influenced storytelling experience. The, she could not have said, or I, I don't know the ge- the gender of this person, so they could not have said new. Any more times. <laughs> Literally, like, every five seconds, seemingly. Yeah. Well, it's new. It's uh, yeah. New. Just in case you didn't know, it's new. Not old. Much new. <laughs> um, the emergence of hip-hop in the era will provide a rich backdrop, as well as other elements of... Uh, yeah. I don't want to try on that name, because I'm going to butcher it. So I'm just going to go forward. 
Because I think it's like Jacente, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, let's just, let's just move on. <laughs> so, so do you think this is cool? They're kind of like branching out and making an audio podcast before the game even comes out to kind of get people prepared for this gameplay experience later on. I think it's a pretty unique way to publicize your game, and I think it's definitely something of this era. So I, for one, think it's a step in the right direction. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I'll check it out. I don't know if this will really be something for me personally, but I do think there will be a lot of people who, if they're interested in you know, a compelling story and if they're able to write one, which based on you know many of the developers and their backgrounds, I would assume they would have no problem with that. Um, I think this is a really good way to kind of hype up the story and give sort of a prequel to what they're going to play and to give them an experience so that when they actually play the game for those who are listening to the podcast already have some kind of investment and you know relationship tied to these characters. So I think it's a smart move on their part. Yeah, I'm pretty interested in this, mostly because recently I've kind of branched out with my podcast tastes, mm. and I've started to listening uh, to We're Alive, which is like an audio drama about zombies, Ooh. and is it's Chase kind of my jam right to now. It? Is that why you guys are talking about all these weird questions lately? Uh, I'm trying to get him to listen to it, but he like doesn't he... seem that into it. Oh, well, I'm that's because like, he's writing his own, you know? There are zombies that fucking talk. Like oh That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. It's weird, and it's awesome, and I really enjoy it. So I think, like, an audio drama in this sense would be really, really cool, especially, like they said, with this kind of, like, backdrop of hip-hop. That would be really cool to, like, hear that mm-hmm. um, commingled within the podcast. I'm really interested in this. I actually, mm-hmm. like, because of uh, We're Alive, I've wanted to check out more, like, audio dramas. So well, there um, you go. This is going to be cool. I They didn't say in the article, I didn't see if they said like when exactly this was going to come out mm. or when they were going to start production on it. But no, no, no. Let me check out the full story. Or is that just the full story about... No, 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 no. Yeah, it's about the developer. <coughs> yeah, I don't see anything on it. Uh, while you're talking about the next one, I'll see if I can find anything else. All right, so... Let's move on. Uh, this one is over on Nintendo Life. It is our last news story for today. It's written by Liam Doolin, because that's literally the only guy who writes for them. Um, and it is Axiom Verge creator open to developing more entries after he finishes this sequel. Uh, one game worth keeping an eye on is Axiom Verge 2. It was teased last month during the Nintendo Indie World Showcase and is scheduled to arrive on the Nintendo Switch eShop at some point in time this year. The creator, uh, Tom Hat, previously mentioned how the sequel would mix metroidvania and legend of zelda and now in the same interview uh he has revealed how there's uh likely to be even more axiom verge game released uh provided the sequel replicates the success of the original um his exact response was that's the plan though it might be a bit though i might be a bit burned out on axiom verge after finishing two and interject a different kind of game in between so i'm going to be honest that does not seem to be the answer that is provided within this article. Like it's <laughs> it's kind of weird. They're like, yeah, he seems to want to make he's more do it, games, even though he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, he's literally like, I might be burnt out. It seems very clearly that he does not want to make more Axiom Verge games. And then they're like, he's gonna. He said it. 
<laughs> I mean, I get what they're doing, but yeah, it is it is heavily tied towards like the answer that people want versus what it really is is that he is interested in doing it, but probably will take a small break in between because you know, he spent like how many years now developing 1 and 2? So, I think it makes sense to give himself a break. Otherwise, he will just you know, we've talked about this a couple of different times is that it makes sense to take a like a small hiatus on a lot of things because if you do try either a new game, whether it be a genre or be, you know, totally different but still the same genre, um, you learn new things from that because you come in with a different perspective and it will then hopefully make the next part of your, you know, Axiom 3 better. So I don't uh, see that as a bad thing, but yeah, he... I would be shocked if he went from Axiom Verge 2 and then directly jumps into 3. Yeah, yeah. By so the I, way, uh, before mm-hmm. we dive any further, Corner Wolves podcast is expected to go live sometime in May. Ooh, all right. I have to keep an eye on that bad boy. Uh, Tom also mentions how he always reads players' feedback and said despite the ongoing request, he will never turn the series into a multiplayer title, but would make an effort to address any other requests. Uh, his exact quote is, I do... Uh, I do read player feedback even if I don't respond to it. I'll probably never. He says probably never. It is not. He did not say he would never. Probably never. <laughs> uh, turn Axiom Verge into a multiplayer game no matter how much people ask for it. But I try to address most other things I can. Um, I've played Axiom Verge and I'm kind of surprised that people want multiplayer in it. Hmm. I've never it's, played it. It's definitely one of the things that's on my backlog that I really need to go through. Have you ever played through. Metroid? Because it's seriously just like Metroid. I mean, I've played Metroid games, and I do enjoy them, so I really have always wanted to play Axiom Verge, but just never got to it. Yeah, it's... I, I don't know. Would you necessarily want to play, like, the, the Metroidvania series with another person? I don't know why, but mm. I feel like that's kind of weird. I don't think... Like the problem with that is with Metroidvania is, is the map is specifically designed in many ways that your character is just big enough for the world around it, and I feel like having two characters in there would just get cramped. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, somebody's got to set precedents, I guess. So maybe eventually, because he said probably never, mm-hmm. um, but maybe eventually Tom Hap puts uh two players in like action verge 12 because apparently he's just gonna keep working on him even though he said <laughs> he'll never he's stop get burnt out <laughs> he's just crazy maybe he'll like put that. it in there and it'll be really interesting <laughs> maybe yeah axiom verge 12 would make sense because it would be player one and player two mm, ah. big brain big brain yeah there's a big one on you not just uh not just in the underneath you know what i mean uh yeah big mouth too you can't see me winking right now. But uh, I'm I can feel it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next segment, which is News Cram. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Cram, 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 cram. 
Newscram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of Indie Incursion and Indie Games Podcast, cram you full of all sorts of indie games news. This week, we don't have any news stories for you or quick deals. Uh, quick deals and... <laughs> yeah, New deals know, and quick steals. steals. <laughs> Fuck, dude. I just can't get that one. Uh, but... We do have some new stuff for you. Our first two items in new stuff come by way of Nintendo Life, where it's reported that RPG Smoke and Sacrifice by developer Solar Sail Games will be getting a limited release uh, through Super Rare Games, with pre-orders going live on January 9th. Uh, gloomy adventure game Lydia by developer uh, Pla- Platonic Partnership is headed to the Nintendo Switch on January 17th. Uh, over on IGN, it's reported that Cardboard Computer will soon release the highly anticipated fifth act of Kentucky Route Zero, as well as announcing a complete collection headed to consoles called Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition. Uh, both Act 5 and the TV Edition will be releasing on January 28th. And to round out the group, over on GameSpot, it's reported that Exit the Gungeon, the follow-up to Dodge Roll's hit Bullet Hell roguelike Enter the Gungeon, will soon be headed to consoles as well as PC sometime in the beginning of 2020, according to the developers. So, Big Josh Boy, we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories today that I think it's about time we hop in to our next segment, which is God Bless the Crowd. This is where the biggest of average Josh Boys hops into all sorts of different crowdfunding sites, finds some awesome indie games to talk about, and we do just that. Uh, this week, we've got one for you. It's called Ruby the Wayward Mira. I hope I said that all correctly. Uh, it is a 2D action platform game uh, teaming with lush pixels featuring ability-based progression paired with RPG elements for PC and Switch. The developers are looking for $12,000. That's their goal. They currently have, at the time of this recording, $6,396 with 232 backers and 28 days left to go. Uh, if you're kind of coming on this later you will more than likely have to pay the $20 for the initial copy because we've currently got like three hours to go on the early bird which is 15 Mm -hmm. uh but this game looks cool as shit (laughs) it really does it uh it looks very reminiscent of like a new age mega man uh with a ton of abilities and like little secrets to it i mean yeah i the I see where you're going with that. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think it looks a lot like that with the exception of it seems to be a lot more melee combat than uh, like projectile combat where like Mega Man kind of lives, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's got literally a fucking arm for it. But (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the the jumping aspects, like the wall jumping, like I'm thinking of Mega Man X, the wall jumping aspect to it, the design for a lot of the different characters and the way that hidden elements are structured in this and just the way the map looks reminds me a lot of the Mega Man series. I think that, I don't know if it's directly quoted in there or not, but it definitely looks like they took some influence from the Mega Man series in general, um, which I'm all for because I love Mega Man. Uh, But regardless, even if you're not a fan of Mega Man, there is more of a, you know, uh, it looks like, uh, which it's kind of funny that you did say that uh, you were scared it looks like a roguelike because it does have that appeal. Um, But it just looks like a a very uh, Metroidvania-esque game of going, collecting power-ups, trying to find, uh, you know, different ways to progress your character and fight different uh, enemies throughout. I think it looks really fun. This is one of those games where I'm definitely torn between I should probably back it or not. (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, to give you to kind of paint you guys a word picture. Uh, this game is seemingly a uh, 16-bit, really, really beautiful pixel art. It's set in a world that is both uh, kind of like fantasy-themed, but also tech-based. So it's both robotic and fantasy, which is really interesting. Um, I like a lot of these weird, like, seemingly magical creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this one that I got to find it on here. It's called some kind of a toad. Uh, the Kazimaran, I think, Uh angler toad which just looks like a fat fucking goldfish with arms yeah. it looks awesome i love that design it looks so interesting it's like stuck in a hole um <laughs> this game looks really really cool i like the combat or at least what seems of the combat a lot it doesn't seem to be super special um mm-hmm. like you said it it seems a lot like like Mega Man esque, but with this kind of more melee focus to it. Um, yeah. You have, I want to say a beam katana, but that's not it because that's uh, a beam, beam weapon is the graviton. Mm. Um, yeah, beam sword. Okay, yeah, that one's a beam sword, and then the beam weapon graviton, which is a slow moving projectile that deals damage over time, but can be activated a second time to dash to its current location. That's fucking dope. Mm hmm. That does look really, really cool because it has like interesting platforming uh, elements with those abilities. Uh, Ruby lets a, this is her beam sword, lets a a concentrated version of her projectile beam out of her mana clasts uh, for high power at close range. Uh, Ground combos and aerial strikes make this a go-to for up-close threats. Yeah, the the platforming looks really interesting. I like how they seemingly mix a lot of the gameplay elements within platforming. So it's not just like you're slowly jumping over stuff, but you also do similar things to like how in the messenger it's mixed in in an interesting way, combat and platforming, where you would have to strike and then jump. She does something similar to that where she jumps across this chasm and gains air by hitting multiple different uh, enemies while mm-hmm. in the air. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, it looks really interesting. I definitely <laughs> want to see where this game goes. Um, plus, you can pet like a really cute-looking dog. Yeah, I love how this has become a thing yeah. where people keep <laughs> advertising that you can pet the dog in their game. That's the best part. <laughs> also, how is that Twitter account verified? Uh, I don't understand uh, that. Just because? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should also say the the world in this game seems really really interesting. Um, the story of it has uh, the Casimir is a dying planet. Ages ago, three perfect singularities of mana gave birth to the progenitors of Casimir. Uh, they weaved their power throughout the veins of the planet, giving birth to all life in the world and the Mira. For a time, life flourished and grew to uh, every corner of the world. The Mira continued to build on this power. Great civilizations grew unchecked until the power began to dim. The planet was Uh, At its limit, the ancient power bestowed by the progenitors had reached its bound, which is, I don't know what that means, if I'm being (laughs) honest. Um, But the Mira refused to accept their fate and continued to draw on the last reserve uh, of Casimir. A great ruin washed over the lands, ash and dust stripped bare the once uh, verdant, V-E-R-D-A-N-T, verdant. 
uh, sure. landscape and all of life <laughs> retreated into what refuge it could find. Now searching for answers before all is lost. The mirror face a difficult future. This game seems really, really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. In Ruby, the dying, f- uh, the dying fantasy world of Casimir and the world of near future Earth fuse violently... Yeah, fuse violently as the large... I, I love how I'm so dumb. I read words, and then sometimes I get them wrong or right, and I just sit there for a second, and I'm like, and you're like that doesn't make which sense. one is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> as the large uh, Hadron Collider's secret experiments force the two realities to entangle, uh, what is a calamity for Earth's salvation for Casimir, or so it seems at first? You play as Ruby, Amira, unable to use magic, suddenly thrust into a world with an overabundance of it. What grants her strength uh, overwhelms the other Mira, driving them mad with power at first, eventually fa- uh, falling feral. Ruby's driving goal is to reunite with her family on Casimir by restarting the Large Hadron Collider, but the feral Mira have other plans. This game looks dope as hell. I love the characters. They look really cool. Uh, Ruby, I love her idol animation. Like, if you watch in the gameplay, like, videos, when she stands still, she kind of bobs back and forth. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I like that so much. <laughs> it's just so interesting. Hmm. I don't know. But um, another thing to, to mention, if anyone listened to this and they think, oh, this sounds pretty cool, there is a demo that you can download to test it out yourself to see if this is something you want to back. Uh, I personally haven't done it yet, um, but it'll give you a good indication of whether this game is for you or not based on how they're doing so far. Um, and one of the things that in- that's interesting, at least, is I read uh, up at the top here, Ruby is a Metroidvania at its core, but features nonlinear gameplay with multiple playstyles and endings, which I think is really cool because it's, you know, one of those things where I wonder how much of a multiple endings they're going to do. Like how many branching paths will there be? Um, because I do enjoy that style of gameplay of having those different choices that matter in it. Yeah. Yeah. I also really like that as well. I should say that um, I wanted this to be somewhat of a surprise, but this is actually the first game I backed on Kickstarter. Holy shit. We did it, folks. Yeah. We finally yeah, just got gonna, a game. I got to, you know, I got to follow my own recommendations, That's I true. guess. Now I that guess. we're 64 episodes in. I was going to say, it took me like more than a year <laughs> to finally find a game that you would back. I mean, there were other games, but just I was always so wary of Kickstarter. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go into it. So, yeah, I saw the early bird had only a couple hours left to go. And I was like, dude, fuck it. $15 a month from now. I'm in. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'll do it. Because <laughs> this game looks really, really cool. Uh, And it is set to... Re- seemingly, their estimated delivery is December 2020. So, cross my fingers, it actually comes out then. We'll um, I will personally probably get this on PC. But, mm. um, yeah, yeah. I don't have much else to say about the game because I'm just kind of gushing about how awesome I think it is. <laughs> Another quick point out is that their goal is twelve thousand dollars, <laughs> and they do mention it's for PC and Switch. But their Switch goal is actually fifteen thousand. Yeah, that one's a stretch goal. Yeah, yeah, that is a little weird. Yeah, just something to be wary way. of if you're planning on getting it on the Switch. 
Yeah, I hope they hit it, obviously, because I want the game. Um, but I think they will. They have 28 days left to go, and they have half of what they're uh, what they're asking for. So I think this has a good possibility of, of actually getting backed. Yeah, they're in a good spot. Um, Now, let's go into our last segment of the podcast, which is our random questions. We have three for today. Surprisingly, I did not remind Chase, so he... Did just he forgot to send in a question, the wow. follow up to his weird ass questions, and yet we still uh, have three questions. Yeah, yeah, that just shows how awesome our audience is. Uh, Chris Penwell, John Moore, and Samuel Fillion. I hope I'm saying your name right, by the way. You do tweet at us, <laughs> yeah, so please let, us know. <laughs> let me know because <laughs> I know I'm saying the other ones right because I know them personally, but I do not know if I'm saying your name right. Uh, let's start out with Chris's question, which is, what franchise do you want Telltale Games to tackle next now that they are back? I think a series based on Archer or a series based on Avatar The Last Airbender would be amazing. Um, I think it's funny that he put Archer think? just because you had that GIF image with Archer in it, and I was like, did he put that just because that image was there? <laughs> I don't know. That is actually an interesting question. Okay. I, I have no idea that Chris Penwell also feel free to tweet at us and let us know if you did that just because I used that gif. I think, I think he did. <laughs> um, so my pick is actually, I'd love to see something based around the fallout series. So um, post apocalyptic worlds <laughs> and events kind of like that are just something that I'm really into. Um, it's why I really recommend a book that's called The Postman. If anyone's into that kind of stuff, you should read it. It's pretty good. Um, what's it about? The Postman? <laughs> yeah, what's it about? Uh, uh, it's basically about a dude who... I talked about this on the podcast like a long time ago. It's basically about a dude who he's in a post-apocalyptic world. He gets uh, kind of stranded like in a really shitty situation where he's basically going to die. All his clothes are messed up. Someone like bandits stole from him and he finds this abandoned car and like a, a postman was in there, like a post office, an office worker uh, for mail. And he finds their vest and their like bag of mail and basically takes that stuff because that person was dead. It's just like a skeleton there and he needed clothes to survive the winter. So he puts that stuff on and then he travels outwards into a different city and he's revered as this hero because he was from the old time. He's deemed as a postman. People have a lot of praise for them. And so basically he just keeps going from town to town, living this lie of saying that he's a postman and inadvertently he starts creating an actual post like route through the towns and becomes the first postman again, even though he's just lying and telling people he's a postman and doesn't really mean it, but then builds this whole postal network system because of it. And it's just, it's a very interesting story that has uh, a big kind of spoiler at the end of what's happening. Um, And I won't go into that part, but I just really enjoyed the story of it and just kind of the, the idea of going into this world in uh, less ideal situations and basically people of power changing from, you know, the like a democratic system of people who are more of the knowledgeable side trying to uh, influence others as opposed to in a more apocalyptic world, it being more like of struggle of power physically and people just kind of uh, working their way into these weird bandit camps and things like that and restructure of society and how that works. It's just a very interesting book. Uh, it's essentially thought of as like a World War Three happened uh, quite some time ago. Um, 
which might be relevant. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> to answer the question, though, uh, Fallout series, I think, would be an awesome thing to see because there's a lot of potential, and I, I don't think it would have to be anything that specifically is tied into the Fallout series itself from you know things that we've seen before. I think it can kind of... Yeah, similar to like a Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah. It's think... not like... It wasn't necessarily tied in until the most recent game. Yeah, I think that could definitely do it some benefit because there's a lot of liberties you could you know take from the fallout series of just things that are referenced in and kind of like you know easter egged in but the main concept is always there of it's people surviving after a nuclear holocaust and what society has changed into afterwards and i think there's a lot of really interesting choices that you would have to make that can get put into an interesting narrative that telltale can say or tell yeah, um, for me, fuck, dude, Avatar The Last Airbender would be so cool. You stole that one from me, Chris. You're such a butthole. Because that would be so dope. I would love that. Um, I've been wanting to read the comics for quite a while because I love the two different series that they have. Uh, I would also love to see Telltale do two things, uh, one of which is to branch out and make more kind of like uh, – smaller properties into stuff so like the fables comic series wasn't i i don't believe it was like gigantic it's like a big comic series but it's not something as well known as something like the walking dead or like anything from marvel or dc right um so it was really cool that they made the wolf among us and i'm so so stoked that wolf among us 2 is going to come out because i love the wolf among us it's easily my favorite telltale game uh but which is kind of crazy considering The Walking Dead was so good. But um, I would also – specifically, I would like them to kind of branch out and try some, like, different comic series. Try to maybe, like, work with uh, Image or something like that. Maybe, like, make an Invincible uh, Telltale series or make – I mean, that comic series went on forever, so that one might actually be hard. But um, – make something like there are some other kind of smaller comics like i recently started reading the realm which i think is really cool it's like uh kind of like a fantasy east guy but not it's like this otherworldly like fantasy realm gets starts to like merge with our world um and it takes place seemingly far past any of that has happened it's it's really cool i would like to see them work on kind of these different like smaller comic book properties instead of like really big ones um Mm -hmm. and i would actually really like them to make their own ip like really start working on their own characters, their own worlds, especially because one of the big problems that happened with uh, Telltale and their studio closure was that they didn't have any IP. Everything that they had was based off of uh, was based off of like like franchises that they had leased for the most part. Like right. they did stuff with Minecraft, they did The Wolf Among Us, they did Guardians of the Galaxy, but they didn't actually own any of those IP. And I think it would be really cool if Telltale actually branched out and made something that's just their own. Like, don't go and make fucking, like, Back to the Future, the next mm. game. Instead, but what if they made a Hollow Knight one? You know? That'd be fucking dope. I, I don't know if I would necessarily... I would, I would definitely play it, but I don't <laughs> think that that world is exceptionally well-suited for it. Mm, maybe not. Maybe because there's not much talking. <laughs> Yeah, there's not a lot of talking, and, like, Telltale's games are kind of based on suspense and kind of, like, I don't want to say this, like, more noir detective feel, but it's a lot like that. Mm -hmm. Like, 
and I don't think that certain worlds actually work very well in that. Mm. Um, but you never know. Maybe this new Telltale will branch out, start making like different stories in general where mm. you're not. It's not just about asking questions, but it's about actually getting more involved or answering questions, but getting more involved in the world. Um, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I'm excited to see what they do. Let's move on to the next question, which is John Moore, um, founder of Parallax Media. Uh, he says, what's the one indie game you are most excited for this year? Meaning 2020, by the way. <laughs> in case I feel like I should what say that just in case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's what yours? game are you most excited for? Oh, no, 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 me I want to hear yours first. Um, obviously, it's Hollow Knight Silk Song. Uh, I feel yeah, like of course. that has to be it. Either that, um, there are like three games for the most part. Uh, Hollow Knight Silk Song um, would be amazing. Solar mm-hmm. Ash Kingdom, which is the follow-up from uh, Heart Machine, the developers of Hyperlight Drifter. Super excited mm-hmm. to see what that is because it's actually 3D instead of 2D. Um, or <sighs> there are a couple others, but I'm just going to say it's one. I would like to see... Uh, I'm really excited about two other games, uh, Garden Story and Riveting Saga. I mm-hmm. think both of those look really, really cool. Um, Garden Story, I believe, is the last game being developed in uh, in unison with the same people who did uh, Cat Lady and fuck, like the World Next Door. I think they're uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but it's like that deal with Viz Media. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm excited about both those games as well. There's there's so many fucking indie games that are coming out this year. I'm <laughs> so stoked. Like just this month, like I said before. Got fucking Temtem Mind Seas was announced. Uh, oh, shit. That wasn't actually in our news stories because nobody covered it. But if you guys are looking forward to Mind Seas, which is a game we actually covered in God Bless the Crowd a couple months ago, it is actually coming out January 30th on PC uh, with the Nintendo Switch date 2BD, I guess. But yeah, January 30th. And it looks pretty Check dope. that game out. It looks really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, for me... There are, yeah, there are a lot of good games coming out. Uh, I think the ones that I'm the most excited for would have to be um, Carry On from Devolver Digital, which is the one where you're playing that giant blob, like, horror monster who's just wrecking people who have imprisoned him. Yeah, the reverse horror game. Yeah, it looks so good. Uh, And then Super Meat Boy Forever, which was supposed to come out 2019, but got pushed back, and people... They say it'll probably be 2020. I don't know if that's what it's going to actually be, but if it is 2020, I'm super excited for Super Meat Boy um, because that game is awesome, or at least the first and one. And it was. actually like has combat. In yeah, this one, it's seemingly. totally different. So I really want to see what it's like. Um, and then another one that I really want to try out is Way to the Woods, which is not really. I don't think there's a specific release date yet. Um, but that was the one game, I forget where it was showed off. It was either a kind of funny showcase or, um, a Nintendo, like in Nindy's direct, but it's this one that's very strange where you're like a bunch of, you're, you're basically like a mama deer and a baby deer and you're like walking through and like your antlers will sometimes light up and you're basically trying to get to the woods. I don't know. It's very different in like what you're actually doing, but it looks really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at pictures right now, but yeah, it looks really interesting. It's got, uh, I'm trying to think of what art style this is similar to. Mm. Ah, fuck. There are some games that it looks like, ah, damn it. I'm not going to be able to think of it. I don't know why, but it kind of reminds me of like, 
I don't know how to say it. It's either Faye or Fia. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of the EA originals, I believe, that released in 2018, but it might release in 2019. Uh, the art style kind of looks vaguely similar, obviously being more realistic and not like these weird fucking demented beasts. But right. Oh, it was yeah, actually this game E3. does look really cool. That's where it was announced. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Also, there's Skatebirds, uh, or Skatebird. Got to get that I- lo-fi... I fucking Bird. forgot about Skatebird, dude. I mean... I How want, could I forget? I want that soundtrack. That lo-fi fucking bird hop. Mm, that's going to be some good tunes. That shit looks good. Yeah. There's just... Ah! Oh, so many. Damn you, John. You had to bring up the fact that there's just too many fucking indie games to play. Uh, let's calm down with uh, with Sam's question. Right. He writes in... or I. Once again, I'm just assuming people's genders, which I really need to stop doing. Samuel Fillion... They, because I don't know the gender, uh, writes in and says, corn dog or hot dog? I can't decide. Help us find out which top... (laughs) Which top dog will be crowned? (laughs) Which top dog will be crowned the ketchup king or mustard or mayo or whatever weirdness you love? (laughs) A good question, for sure. Uh, You go. I feel like you're going to say corn dog, aren't you? I'm going to say fucking chili dog, dude. Sam, oh. you're a little bitch. Uh, Ooh, I don't know why dang. you did not think of chili dog. I mean, you did say crowned ketchup king uh, or mustard king or mayo king. Yeah, you so know what? It's the, the chili, chili king, king bro. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Chili dogs are the best. Uh, <sighs> if I did have to choose between corn dog or hot dog, I would choose corn dog. And I would also like to preface that with saying, I was such a dumb kid and adult that until probably the age of like 20, I did not know that it was called a corn dog because it's cornbread on the mm. outside. That is some good facts for us. Uh, I would go with hot dog. Fuck corn dog. What, what kind of condiments do you put in your hot dog? My I mean, not dog? just condiments. How do you dress this hot dog? How do I example? dress it with a nice, a nice uh, you know, suit and tie? You know, a nice gotta, bow tie. Gotta make it look. Gotta make my wiener look formal. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would. I would say for a hot dog, I like to put. I don't like mustard in general, uh, unless it's honey mustard. But I don't think that works it's with like a hot dog. Dip but water. It's terrible. I, whoa. Uh, <laughs> but I would do ketchup, mustard, uh, relish, and then. Um, probably like some kind of crunchy stuff like either like some kind of chips or like onion rings like deep fried onion ring kind of things like on top that would be pretty dope you put fucking potato chips on your hot dog yeah it's fucking good you should try it what yeah it gives it because a hot dog is like a bunch of mush and then you got like a nice good crunch on the top so it's like it mixes all in your mouth that's a good one i'm gonna have to check that out oh is it age-old question hot dog is it a sandwich uh no it's a dog (laughs) that's a whole new like food genre (laughs) a whole new classification is just dogs it's dogs yeah (laughs) they're like there's hot dog corn dog chili dog and then just actual dog actual dog yeah that one's (laughs) frowned upon a little bit more than the others but yes there is dog i suppose (laughs) uh for me uh, hot dogs i just had to go straight fucking ketchup that's it i don't need no fuss no must just ketchup for corn dogs i like to have some ranch oh yeah some nice buttermilk ranch on my corn dogs you know what i really hate (laughs) is that at every like carnival or fair or whatever if you try to order a corn dog 
they'll lather it in mustard, but no other condiments. Hmm. Yeah, that be like, is yeah, weird. you can get it with mustard, nothing else. And I'm like, D- why though? It is. I just want anything else. Yeah, it is commonly seen. Like anytime you look at like a corn dog, like packaging or some kind of box, it it will have like a a weird <laughs> drizzle of mustard on it. I don't know why that started though. Does cornbread maybe it's go just with the mustard? pop of the mustard? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I guess. Like it just looks aesthetically pleasing. I guess. Yeah, I guess the yellow looks a little bit better than a weird red squiggly on your dog. Yeah, maybe the marketing actually has now like brainwashed people into thinking that corn dogs should be served with mustard. Mm, well, but in reality, they should be served with buttermilk ranch. I mean, I, I'm not really about either of those, so <laughs> sure. But uh, you know, it's okay. I guess we'll go with ranch. I don't know a corn dog. No, it's too much. Too much. Ranch. Are goes, you saying a corn dog is too much in with general? Ranch. Or just ranch. With or ranch. Corn dog? It's. Well, I mean, you I don't just really said like, you eat fucking chips really, on a hot dog. You're telling me you're not going to try ranch on a corn dog? No, nah, that's too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not falling for your your traps. This shit's good, dude. I like it. I like it a lot. My All mom right. showed me that. Like we used to go to Winco, or I I I say we used to because I don't live with her anymore. I still do this. Go to Winco, get three corn dogs, get a little packet of buttermilk ranch, chow down. It's three delicious. corn dogs by yourself. That's okay, a lot I'm of a little fatty. It's a, of, it's a lot of corn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> like in one sitting, like. <laughs> I will say the average serving for me is like four corn dogs. So thanks for making me feel like a little pudge ball. I mean, well, how big are these corn dogs? It's like a normal size of a corn dog. Have you? I don't know the. I don't know these corn. I don't know the normal size for corn dogs. I'm not eating them all the time. It's a fucking hot dog. It's not like a Costco wiener. I don't know. Maybe hot dog. Maybe it's like a little sausage thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like deep fried corn dog bites. It's like a Vienna sausage. Yeah. It's basically just a pig in a blanket. <laughs> I mean, I'll go to town on those things. Those I'll eat like 500 of those. Those are so good. Vienna sausage is a pig in a blanket. No, pig in a blanket. Get out of here. Come on now. You know it's They're basically the same thing. They are They're not like the little same sausage. Thing. The Vienna sausage thing is not. just like fucking a barbecue sauce or some weird shit no 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 no. you get the you get the little the there's like they're called little smokies or something like that they're like these little sausages and uh they're delicious and then you put them in the crescent roll (sighs) delish and it's always like you know when people are like oh you got to bring a dish to this party it's like all right i'm just gonna make that because i'm gonna eat all that and not someone else's crappy food that they make that is a good point. Yeah, potlucks are pretty fantastic because you just get to bring whatever food you like. Yeah, you just you bring the one thing that you want to eat, and then you're like, "Oh, that food looks nice," and then you just stay it by your dish, and you're like, "This is delicious. I'm so glad I, mean, I made it." I feel like people think that potlucks are actually like the most kind of like intimate affair, but really it's the most distancing because you're just like, "I bring my own food because I think your food's gonna suck." I mean, that is one way to look at it. I don't think everyone <laughs> looks at it that way, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a super picky eater, so it makes sense. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you do what you have to. But, Sam, thank you for getting us on the topic of food. Thank you, Sam, John, and Chris for writing in. Uh, And thanks, everybody, for listening and participating in the podcast. It's amazing. Please play more indie games. Bunch of awesome ones coming out this month alone, let alone in the year. Uh, If you guys would like to chat with us outside the show, you can follow 
the Indie Incursion Podcast on Twitter at IndiePod. You can follow me, Von Hyde, at Hyde Legion. That's H-Y-D-E-L-E-G-I-O-N. And you can follow Josh at the underscore Josh90. That's T-H-E underscore J-O-R-S-H 90. Yeah, the underscore Josh90. <laughs> yeah, I like <laughs> you're like 90. <laughs> you're like, are you not uh, sure? <laughs> yeah, kind of threw me off. Uh, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week. Bye, guys.